that's what I want. Amen. Are you ready to start a new series this morning? We're starting a new series today called The Gift Exchange. It's Christmas, amen? And, and when you, you know, I have a lot of kids, and I know you've been around people, and you yourself, we, we all understand giving gifts. We all understand that. And, and here's how it works. If I have something that I have bought you, and I, I go to Charlie, and I say, Charlie, I've got this for you, whether it's a, uh, you know, Charlie likes pens, so, you know, we'll connect everybody. Hey, Charlie, here's a pen. It's a gift to him, Right? So that means when he takes that pen, there's no strings attached, right? Yeah, come on. Y'all act like y'all just be taking stuff back. You give it to somebody, it is theirs to do with as they will. Now, if somebody gives you a gift, it is yours, right? To do with as you will, correct? Do you realize that that is not how you treat the gift of Jesus. Jesus gave you all kind of freedom and healing and focus and deliverance from depression and deliverance from pain and deliverance uh, from things that would stop you and, and to mess your mind up. But you always ask, will he? But yet he died to give you something, and you're not giving him what he paid for because you're hanging on to the fact that the bill might still, you might still have to pay some of it. People will look at your life or you will look at somebody else's life and you'll say, look, look what they're going through. I wonder what they did to cause that. See, that is not how the Bible works. People don't understand what the Bible really talks about when it comes to gift giving. And over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about that. We're starting this series. It's going to be three parts. We're going to end it right before Christmas. Um, But week one today, we're going to be talking about give God your worry because he gave you peace. It's an exchange. If, if you have stress and worry and concern in your life, you do realize Jesus took that to the cross for you. And, all, and he's already given you everything he could give you. But he wants to exchange that. He wants you to have peace. And he wants to, listen, it's not just an issue of you taking his peace. He wants to take your worry. Now, we have to understand what worry and stress is. Now, look, let me just tell you all something. We, we have to understand what real worry is because we live in a day and time. Uh, I, don't, I don't think any of us really understand what worry is anymore. We worry, but it ain't about real stuff. I remember when I was a little kid and, and I would go to, to uh, Ashland, Alabama to my grandparents' house, Bartow and Inez Wallace. And, uh, man, I would hear the stories of, of, of just... You know, how they, the, the work and the physical things they had to go through. And, and man, we would, pay, we would pay at that time. Now, I'm, I'm 47, but at that time, we would pay a quarter for a Coke in the machine. And they'd throw a fit because it was a quarter. I'm like, I got this out of the couch. We, we don't know what real worry is. People at past generations, we, we have to create things to worry about. You do know that we, even, even in America, we have diseases, heart disease, type 2 diabetes. Those are uniquely American diseases because we have nothing to worry about. Poverty in, in the United States versus poverty in the world is not poverty, just so y'all know. And what we got to do is we got to understand what things are. Now, this is the most wonderful time of the year, but it's also the most stressful. Now, you are asking yourselves the question, why am I so busy? How do I fit all this in? How do I do all that? And I learned a long time ago, you have to figure out what is the most important thing on your plate. 
Now, what April likes to do with people when she's doing uh, pastoral care is she'll take some paper plates and she'll lay them out and she'll say, write on this thing with a marker the things that are on your plate right now. And, man, people give us plates, and there's all kind of stuff on there. They're talking about this and that and the other. And then she'll say, okay, write the five most important things. And then it begins to pare down. And, then, and I'm going to be honest with you. Most everybody, when they write their top five list of priorities, never put Jesus in that list. And people wonder why there's... Now, these are Christians. Now, we're talking about people who have come in for pastoral care. And they're not carrying what Jesus left for them to carry. Listen, he gave you freedom. He gave you the grace that no matter what you're walking in, through that grace and, and, and through faith, you can overcome anything you're dealing with. Thank you for your enthusiasm. I can see now why you're depressed. Wake up. Now, look, we're, uh, we're at a place where we don't really understand what was given to us. We don't know our word anymore. We don't know how valuable this thing is to us. What we've done is we've created church cool. If you just go to cool church, you're okay. Well, look, I believe in things being cool. But if you put yourself in a situation where you're not really experiencing what the Word says, you're not experiencing Christ. And see, I am tired of being in churches and hearing sermons where they talk about the Jesus of the Bible, and I don't see that Jesus in our life. Because the Jesus of our Bible healed people. The Jesus of our Bible set people free. Everywhere he went, people who were broken got put back together. What I'm longing for is the day where people can come into church and they can go out better than when they walked in, not out mad because somebody said something wrong to them. Church people are, I love y'all, church people are the most petty people on the planet. Because you've gotten so, oh, Jesus, let me move back up here. You've gotten so focused on church that you've missed Jesus. And you've missed the wretch that you were to be living in a grace now. We've, we've not understood that the great gift exchange puts you in a place where you don't have to live like you lived before. I get to wake up every day. I can just talk about me. I can't talk about you. I can talk about me. I get the great joy, and I don't experience every day because I have to get on myself. But most of the days, I get to wake up and know that I'm not the drug addict I used to be. I get to know that he gave me the gift of freedom from that. But I had to submit myself to the gift. If, if I gave, if I gave, uh, well, let's just use a, uh, let's just use a, a, a real-world example. Uh, we went on a cruise for April's birthday. And when we walked into our, uh, we walked into our, our cabin, uh, Brian and Abram were kind enough. They, they celebrated her birthday, and we had a cake and decorations in the room when we walked in. So if we'd have let that cake sit there all week long, what good would it have done? But we submitted to it. <laughs> Big time. Even when she wasn't there, she said, I could have one piece. I had one piece every time she wasn't in the room. But, but, but we listen, I know this is silly, but we took it. You understand? We took it. When, when you understand the cross, he took your pain. He took it. And if you're living in pain now, it's because, listen, I'm not talking about trauma. We, there are people in this room that's been through hell on earth. I'm not talking about trauma. I'm talking about self-inflicted, silly pain. 
Jesus gave you a way to be free from that because you don't have to be so self-centered and focused. You can be focused on him. And 1 Peter 5 and 7 says, casting the whole of your care because he cares for you. Now, let's deal with what worry and, and all this is really is because what, what we don't understand is what worry is. Worry is, the difference between worry and caution is worry is us being focused on self Caution is being cautious of situations that are dangerous to our spirit, our mind, our body. Okay? So what I want you to understand, worry is allowing your mind to dwell on potentially negative outcomes beyond your actual control. Now, I've told you this example a thousand times, and this is going to be a thousand and one because obviously we ain't getting it. So they ask me all the time, why do you keep using the same examples? Because you ain't learned yet. So here's the thing, and that's a joke. Don't get all mad and call me, send me emails. Because <laughs> if you learned it, you wouldn't be sending me emails. <laughs> we, as human beings, wrestle with our own mind. You are a spirit. You have a soul. You live in a body. That is the proper order. Your spirit should be in charge. Your soul is to navigate the planet, and your body is just the car. That's it. So what we have done is we've moved out of our spirit being in charge, and we've let our soul be in charge, and we've gotten over into worry, and we sit at home, or we sit in our car, we sit on our job, or we sit on Facebook, hallelujah, and we find all kind of things to be worried about that ain't real. I, okay, y'all with me? But when you sit there and stress over all these things, by the time your husband, wife, or kid gets home, you, you're so fired up, you're ready to rip somebody's head off over something that's not even real, but you've built it up in your emotions. Now, your body reacts to those emotions as if you've had that argument. Your life moves as if you've had that problem. Your whole situation begins to turn because of something that never existed. And that is why 1 Peter 5 and 7 exists. So you can learn to cast. Matter of fact, that's not even on my text, but put it up there. 1 Peter 5 and 7. Casting all of your care on him for he cares for you. Give it to me amplified, please. <clears throat> Listen to this. this. Now this, we're going a different way, but that's okay. Casting all of your cares, all of your what? Anxieties, worries, concerns. I love this phrase. Once and for all. Now, look. I have seen, now not here, thank God, but in my years of training in ministry, especially if I go to churches and preach in them, I'll go somewhere. There's a few particular churches I go to a lot, and, and you have the same people coming up for the same thing every time you give an altar call. And people say, well, pastor, you just must not have been anointed enough to get them free. It ain't my job to get them free. It's my job to preach the word to give them agreement. They have to understand that all that was put on the cross, but it's their voice that's bringing it off. You don't understand how powerful you are. You don't understand that you are a speaking spirit designed in the image of Christ. You have the right to say something and it come to pass. So when you say, I'm angry, you just woke up a lifetime of angry. When you say, I don't understand. You just opened up a world of confusion. And the Bible says where there's, a, where there's confusion, there's every evil thing. 
You have the mind of Christ whether you're operating in it or not. You just have to learn to submit to it and be willing to say, okay, I'm not going to say what I'm feeling, but I'm going to say what the Word says. And although I'm feeling this way, Although, although somebody told me my wife was cheating on me. Although somebody told me my kids hated my guts. Although somebody told me that I was going to get fired. The word says in 1 Peter 5 and 7 that the whole of my care, the whole of my anxiety, I get to give it to him and say, you gave me the job. If I lose it, it's on you or you got a better one. I have watched this in my life since the moment I got saved. Now, listen, I, I, I ain't telling y'all what to do. I can just speak for me. This is not as easy as some of us make it sound in preaching. And because it's not easy, it's almost like we don't even want to try. However, we do have to try because Jesus dealt with this. Matter of fact, let's, let's go there. Go with me. Uh, one, this is, I didn't give you this earlier, but let's just do this. Go to Matthew chapter 6. I wasn't planning on going on this today, but let's just go there. Jesus addressed all this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. Now, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. He'll have the King James on the screen. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 says, That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food or drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Verse 26, look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest and, and store foods in barns. For your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Verse 28, and why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the day. I've heard me use this text. Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They do not work. Or make their own clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that they're here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow. But he will certainly care for you. Why do you have such little faith? So don't worry about these things, saying what will we eat or what we shall drink or what we shall wear. These things that dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But the Heavenly Father already knows your needs. Here it is, verse 33. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Live in right standing. And he will give you everything you need. Verse 34. So don't worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will bring his own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Worry. Listen. Worry is number one unhelpful. Worry number two is unnatural. It's unnatural. We've decided that it's natural to worry. Worry is unnatural. It wouldn't have the effect on your body that it has if it was natural. And, and this is the, the most religious one of all. Worry is unchristian. He is your complete and total supply. Most people have never fully accepted the gift of salvation because they've never fully accepted him. You've accepted Jesus and going to heaven. Thank God for that. But he gave all so you could have all. He gave all so he could take all. See, if Jesus would have held back in any area, then the door for the enemy would have been wide open to use that one area to destroy you. But he gave all. He gave everything to the point that his father in heaven turned his back on him for you. And everything that we wake up, we wake up within ourselves. 
Well, you just don't know. It's just the devil. Don't even get me started on that. Because the truth is this. You are your own worst enemy. It's the mirror that gets you. Because you know you. Oh, Jesus. You know who you are. I've learned over all these years of life that it is simply this. It is my own insecurity that causes 90% of my problems. My wife is not doing it, although I tried to blame her. My church people ain't doing it, although I tried to blame y'all. My kids ain't doing it. We live in a life where everybody has to be responsible but us. But God's calling. Y'all okay? Well, I thought we were starting a Christmas message. What do you think he came for? Y'all, listen, have y'all, y'all put your nativity up yet? I done been around my house moving all my wise men. <laughs> she gets so mad at me. Because y'all got to know the story. Go frankincense and wait, there's myrrh. No, I'm playing. <laughs> Smart people get that on the way home. Listen, Jesus gave us an opportunity to live in peace. He gave us an opportunity to not worry about life. He said, look at the lilies. Solomon, the most wise man on the planet, is not, he doesn't even have the beauty that the lily has. And why is it that God would stop an entire message? Look, he's talking about you. He's talking about your worry, your stress, your pain. He's talking about quit worrying about your clothes, quit worrying about you. And in the middle says, look at this flower. Why was God more impressed with the flower than your clothes? Because the flower never questioned who it was. And if you can get to the place that you know who you are in him, you ain't got to be perfect. You ain't, all you have to do is be focused on where he's calling you to. And when you move into the place that you stop questioning who you are in him, things begin to happen in your life that you couldn't even believe in. We're so focused on faith. We're so focused on believing this in. And we want money and we want cars and we want this and we want that. How about the fact that freedom is the most prosperous life you'll ever live? And if you can get free in your thought life, you can be free in everything else. People don't understand that it is their own thoughts that betray them. And listen, the enemy can only use your thoughts. Well, you still don't understand. You just don't understand. You just don't understand. Let me tell you all something. The Bible is very clear that not one person has ever gone through any more than another person. It may be different. The trauma may be different. I'm not lessening that. But let me tell you something. Jesus carried everything that every one of us carried. The Bible says in the book of Isaiah that when he went to the cross, there was no beauty left in him. To the point that his body was torn to shreds. It's that Literally, the Mayo Clinic describes his face as bloody hamburger. That he was torn to pieces. His organs were held in by a robe that was shoved into his ribs to keep them there. So nobody saw his entrails hanging out. That was your gift. So you would never be torn apart like that on this planet. By words. Your gift was for you to be able to stand and know that he kept silent. When he had every right to stand up and say, I am blameless. 
He stayed silent and carried every blame that you could ever carry. He carried it to the cross. By the time he left the whipping post to the time he got to the cross, every sin, every disease, every problem, every issue that you're bringing up today was already on him. And it died with him because he died for you, but he died as you. And if you can keep it dead, your life can change. So first thing we got to do is shut that hole. Y'all got to stop talking so much. Y'all got to stop bringing up things that are in your past. God is towards your future. God sees your end. God sees you who he created you to be. And if you have the mind of Christ, he's calling you that. But yet you're wrestling against it saying, but you don't know. You don't know what they did. You don't know what they He don't care. He wants you to say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am walking in grace and faith. And God is opening up doors that man can't shut. That's what God wants for you. When you get there, your life begins to change. And the less, listen, oh, if I could just pop your heads off and get this one thing in. The less you acknowledge the enemy, the less he can play in your life. Because Christians like to run around and talk about the devil. You know why we don't have testimony services? Because it's you moaning about your test. And I just don't want to hear it. Does that make me a bad pastor? I don't think so. Don't really care. Because the truth is this. I don't need you moaning about your life. I need you excited about what he brought you out of and was taking you into. Because it's not about you trading party to party. That's my concern with modern church. My concern with modern church is we're trading one party for another party. We don't know nothing about grace. Not real grace. But what we know, what we need to know is that we're trading life that is broken for life that is whole. And if we can move into a place where we're not just looking for fellowship, but we're accepting discipleship because we want to be like him. When you're like him, people change around you. You have to be willing to let things die around you. Your words are keeping things alive that God wants to die. Are you with me? There are many, many things in my life that my words kept alive. And God had to remind me, son, I'm trying to kill this in your life, but you, you're serving. See, people don't believe that we have the power to usurp God, but we do. Because when we speak against the word, we get what we say. But when we say what the word says, we get to walk in it like, like, like it's just ours. We walk in that cabin and we'd eat that cake like it was ours. You know why? It was. Did we pay for it? No. Were we blessed with it? Yes. Very grateful for that. But, but they, now they wouldn't do this, but they could, if, they, if, if Brian and Amy would have come knocking on the door and said, hey, y'all got that cake? We're taking it to our room now. No, no, it's my cake. They wouldn't do that, but the point is, it's mine. Why can't we get Christians to understand that freedom is yours? If I could get you to fight for your freedom as much as you fight for your own attitude, your life would completely change. My wife and I, we don't argue. We discuss things aggressively. And she will tell me when I walk in the door, and she'll see it on my face, and she'll say, Alan, you can stay, but that devil got to go. Now, that's insulting. But she's right. And then I will say to her, men, don't ever do this. 
I'm dumber than all of you. I will say, she'll say something, and I'll name off the nine gifts of the Spirit, and I'll go, now which spirit is that? Which gift is that? Yeah, don't do that. Because what we do, this is past, what we used to do was get over into our flesh and let it get into our heart. Instead of dealing things through a mental and spiritual mindset of saying, okay, maybe I thought this, maybe you thought that, but the enemy's in here. We had our pastor sit us down years ago, thank God, and, and Miss Lori Harris, Pastor Tracy's wife, looked us right in the eyes and said, I wish y'all would just quit fighting each other and start fighting the enemy. Because if you put that much effort into your spiritual life, amazing things would happen. And you know what? It did. Amen. You know, just one pastor correcting us changed everything. Because what we were doing, now listen to me, <clears throat> we were living a church life. Come on, church people. We were living a church life, but we were still dealing with hell on earth. At some point, church life has got to become life of Christ. And we got to move over into a place that we're willing to get away from the unnatural place of worrying. Now, my wife will tell you, y'all have heard her testimony and heard her talk. She will tell you she was the worst worrier there was. She was. But she gave all that to the Lord and accepted. Hey, look, this is, the world's going to spin whether I'm worried about it or not. And, and she just accepted that. And she started looking at what was in front of her, the children she was given to raise, the ministry she was given. And all of a sudden, when she moved into a place that it was just about her and Jesus, this amazing door opened up in Cordova and then in the Walker County Jail. And over 115 women have come to Jesus. Because somebody said, I ain't worried about it no more. Hundred and she will stand before. Now, she don't like me talking about this. But she will stand before the Lord and be honored in heaven. And it's going to be thousands by the time it's over with. Because what the gift that she has to change people's lives with her common sense spiritual walk is unbelievable. And God wants that for all of you. All of you. He wants you to move out of worry. It doesn't mean that you don't, you don't focus on care. It doesn't mean that you don't care about your children. It doesn't mean that you, you know, listen, you can't be so, you're so full of fake faith that you don't really, you know, God's not going to make you get up and go brush your teeth. You should just know that's part of my soul. I go do it. But God is also not going to make you worry about life when he's already told you he's got it. Now, first page. <laughs> I want to. I want to just. I'm. I'm. I'm way off my notes, but I want to. I want to tell you three things that will help you work with this, because God wants you to experience His peace. And how do you do it? Number one, you let Jesus be King. You just have to let Jesus be Jesus. He is the King of Kings, and the Lord of Lords. We think in terms of 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 you know. 17th century, 18th century, uh, you know, castles. and No, no, no. You're kings. You're lords of your home. You're created to be something. And he's the king of kings and the lord of lords, which means you've been given royalty and favor. I've never seen a king call a demand that didn't happen in his kingdom. Men, if you are over your home, you need to be the king of your home. And you need to stand up and say, not, listen, let me, let me just deal with this because I just felt a little, little pull. This whole, well, yeah, she needs to follow me because I'm the man of the house. Don't start that junk. Don't start that junk. She is supposed to follow you as you follow Christ. Amen. I can't tell you how many knucklehead, well, 
I'm going to get back on the word. Jesus, Lord, I see them eyes. I better move on. That's not even real. People just throw that out there because Papa said it. Papa was wrong too. Let, let Jesus be king. Number two, live the day you have. Live that day. How many, now listen, just be honest with yourself. Just, just be honest with yourself. How many of y'all had a fight or an argument or a bad moment yesterday because of what hasn't happened or what did happen and you didn't enjoy the day you had? Because every day you're given an opportunity just to enjoy it. Now you're looking at the king of missing days with my family. You're looking at the king of somebody who had many, many, many mouths to feed and was stressed over money and stressed over time and stressed over my body falling apart because I had to go work and all the things going on. And the truth was all I really had to do was take a deep breath and just listen to the Lord. He always provided anyway, but I always made things hard. I missed so much time with my family because I just didn't live the day that I had. And number three, learn to lean on the faithfulness of God. Talk to God about it. Can, 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 I, can I tell you a little secret that is not taught in the Word? Uh, when I say not in the Word, it's not laid out perfectly. But it, churches aren't teaching it either. And here's what you, we, we'll tell you. Talk to Jesus about it. Talk to Jesus. Have a little talk with Jesus. Tell him all about your troubles. Y'all know that song. Some of y'all do. But what we're not saying is this. Talk to Jesus and let him talk back. See, we're at a place where we don't believe God talks to us. Listen, I, people, people will go, when I go minister to other churches, now here I have to be pastor, so I have to be very careful because I know all y'all stuff. But when I go to other churches and I flow in the word of knowledge and, the, and, and, and all the, the gifts that flow through me, and people say, oh, pastor, it's like you've been in my life. Well, I haven't been, but the Holy Spirit has. And if I can listen to him, I can listen. I know exactly what he's saying. People get freaked out because the people used to people come in here and they know they've been messing up. They would look me in the eye. Just. Y'all, I, I, when I stand here, I'm fixing to freak all y'all out. When I stand here over every one of your heads, there's a little window and I can see into every one of your lives. That's just a gift. I, I don't know why I have it, but I do. But I've had to learn, my wife will tell you, I've had to learn over the years what to deal with and what not to. Because I would see things and feel like the Lord was wanting me to deal with that. And I would begin hurting people by attacking something versus letting God work through that situation. And what I did was I tried to be what I thought the Holy Spirit wanted me to be versus being led by Him. And what we got to understand is if we're missing the day that we have, and we've got to learn to talk to Jesus about it, we've got to be willing to let him talk back. You don't get to just run to Jesus and dump it all out and then not take the advice. If, if you were in, uh, I've, got, I've got a friend in my life that, that is a, a, just a brilliant businessman. And my business was falling apart. And, and I went running to him for help. And I'm just going to spew to him all the things that are wrong in my business. But then I don't turn around and listen to somebody who's making multi-millions versus my hundred thousand. And I just disregard what he's saying. How dumb of me is that? Well, you're going to Jesus about your life. And he is the creator of that life. And can tell you how to fix it all. And let me tell you something. Now listen, just, just want to mess with you a minute. 
If God can create this planet in six days, he can fix your life in six minutes. But you don't want that. I'm not talking about you as people. I'm talking about your flesh does not want that. Your soul wants to be in charge. Your emotions wants to tell you how to live. Your emotions want to direct. Your emotions will tell you how to pray. I don't feel like praying. Who cares? This is life or death, man. You got to get in here and pray. We come in here every morning from 8 to 9 and we're in prayer. And and look, there, there are days I walk in here and I'm like, yeah, here I am. Just so, you know, I'm funky and he knows it. And, and I'm not afraid. See, I've developed a relationship with the Lord. I'll say, you know, I don't feel like this today, but I'm here. What you want to do? And people, my God. Well, that, it's a relationship. Now, within a few minutes, I got tears strolling down my face. And I'm repenting for my arrogance because he's still good. My God, if I could get you all to understand how good he is. Now, one last thing, and then we'll start winding this thing down. Talk to God about it. Take it to prayer. Thank the Lord for what he's done, but listen to what he's saying. You have to learn to be gra- have gratitude. Gratitude refocuses your mind on God's goodness rather than the problems around you. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Whenever he gets up there, we'll go. I'm sorry, Juan. I should have threw that at you earlier. Be careful for nothing. Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank him for all he has done. Verse 7. Then will you experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your heart and mind as you live in Christ Jesus. You can dwell on your problems or you can dwell on your promise. You can dwell on your problem and it'll get bigger. Or you can dwell on your promise and it'll get bigger. What you put your mind on is what will grow. What you put your words on is what will grow. Now look, I understand this. If you want to talk about, if you want to talk about being negative, I was the captain. If you want to talk about worrying about life, I was the captain. If you want to talk about all the problems in life, trust me, there ain't nothing none of y'all can bring up that between me and my wife we ain't been through. But the truth is, we had to, as a married couple and as a family, decide we're going to focus on our promise. Now, we live in a life, all of us do, that would push us to a place where our, you know, everybody's a champion. I hate upward basketball. Whether you put in a mountain of effort or zero effort. It's vanilla. I remember, listen, man, I remember playing ball, coach on the sideline with a Marlboro and a Bud Light screaming at you. And your parents okay with it. You know why? Because he's pulling the best out of you. Now, look, y'all think the Bad News Bears was a movie. That came from somewhere. I remember, I remember if you played mediocre in basketball, You're off the team. If you played mediocre on the line, I played safety. If I was even remotely mediocre, somebody got by me. And that's not good when you have to run when you have to run the track and then you have to run the step. You see what I'm saying? But well, you know, not my baby. Oh my gosh. You know why? Because you ain't ever wanted nothing. 
Because you got to push past stuff. You got to push past adversity. You got to move to a place that you know. Now, let me just tell y'all in this body is an Olympic runner. Now, there's a lot of layer of blubber on it, but it's in there. Now, do I have the. Ab- <laughs> it's funny me thinking about it. Do I have the ability to do it? Yes. But I have to have the want to to get there. And a lot of people want to get there without the want to. And a lot, uh, Lord Jesus, I moved over into a a doggone locker room speech now. (laughs) What we got to, I guess it's that LSU game yesterday, I don't know. We got to move over into a place where we're willing to understand what God desires from us may not be hard, but it's not effortless. See, we've made the things of God hard. Well, I have to go pray. You ain't got to. But, but you get to. Well, uh, you know, I go to that church and I got to shout. You don't have to, but you get to. You know, I, I, just, I just don't, I don't feel like worshiping today, Lord. Well, you don't have to. But man, when you learn that even though you don't feel like it, you're willing to break open just a little bit and let him in. And amazing things begin to happen. I can't tell you how many people that I walk in here, and I'm so mad at the world or whatever they've done and said. And, and I'm, because let me tell you something when you're in our position, you get talked about all the time. You stand up here preaching messages, and 17 people say, Oh, well, you in my stuff, you talking about me. Maybe you might want to get your life fixed because I didn't know that, you know, that kind of thing. But then we, we get told stuff, and we're, we're mad and we're frustrated. And you come in here and you pray, and in about 20 seconds, you got tears rolling down your face, and you're praying for them instead of against them. Because you don't want that funk on you any longer. Is this, are y'all learning anything, or am I just ranting this morning? Because the truth is, and the peace of God, which passes all, say all. All understanding. Quit trying to figure it out. All understanding. Keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. How many of you wake up every day and submit your mind to the mind of Christ? Not all of us do that. We don't win at that every day. But here's what I want to say and then that we're going to be done. The gift exchange. He gave you peace. Just like that cake, just like that pen, just like, just like uh, Drew, my son Drew. I gave Drew an Auburn jersey that took me three months to find. I mean, it's not a sweat, a hoodie. You even know where it's at? He don't know where it's at, but it's his. I don't have the right to say, hey, you need to bring that back. I don't think you're taking care of that correctly. It's his. They, they don't have the right to say, I don't like the way y'all ate that cake. <laughs> See, we laugh because that sounds silly, but do you understand that's how God sees the way we act? That he gave you freedom. He gave you peace. For your pain, he gave you peace. For your worry, he gave you joy. And all I want to do today is to pray over every person in this room because we're entering into the most, most emotionally tough time for most people. This is the window of time every year where people commit the most suicides, when depression runs rampant, when people struggle over money, whatever it is. We don't have to participate because you're in the kingdom. You understand? God is your source. Well, I, you know, 
I, I, just, I just don't have the money to do everything I want to do for my kids. Can I, can I just confess something? <laughs> we ain't never had the money to do everything. We got a bunch of kids. But we've learned over the years that it's the time we spend with them that matters so much more. Because 90% of the time, my, listen, you, you, we, we, we go crazy to buy gifts and all they want is us. That's all they want. Just like you know why God wants you to come to him childlike? Because that's how he comes to you. All he wants is you. That's all he wants. And we're so focused on us that we're missing the thing that is the most important in our life. The gift of the cross. Last week I talked to you about unto us a child is born. Unto us a son was given. See, a child is a gift to us physically for our salvation. But a son is a gift to us spiritually to walk in the beauty of everything he gave us. And we want to walk in that today. Y'all stand to your feet with me. <clears throat> Just bow your heads where you are. Just bow your heads. The Lord has not directed me specifically to have an altar call as far as people coming down here and me laying hands on them this morning but, but he's very very specifically directed me to deal with worry, stress and peace so wherever you're at right now you got worry, you got stress you got things going on in your life it's all of us nobody's unique, we all got it I need you right now the best way that you know how to cast your care on him. How do you do that, Pastor? Here's how. You say, God, I'm a mess. I don't know how to fix it, Lord. Help me be the person you've called me to be every day. Day by day, moment by moment, you're learning and you're willing to react and carry the anointing he's put on your life. So, Father, I pray over every person in this room today. You've given us peace and joy for our worry. We're swapping gifts today, God. Today is a day that you get to swap gifts. You get to take home the best gift.